Hi, this is Isaac Arthur. Welcome to the show and don't forget to check out this month's Nebula exclusive, Giant Space Monsters. To get access and help support the show while hearing every episode early and ad free, plus hours of bonus content, check out go.nebula.tv slash and use my code IsaacArthur. We spend a fair amount of time on this channel discussing the Fermi Paradox, and a fairly common request I get is to discuss the Dark Forest Theory, the notion that nearby alien civilizations remain silent to avoid detection or getting killed, and may attack us for not being silent. This concept comes from the novel Dark Forest, the second book in Zixon Liu's Hugo Award winning trilogy Remembrance of Earth's Past, often called the Three Body Problem for the first book. It essentially looks at the problem from the perspective of game theory. We've bypassed covering it previously for two reasons. First, it's actually fairly easy to take apart, we've already covered a more generalized version in episodes like Sleeping Giants or Hidden Aliens. Second, game theory is itself a bit much to introduce in a single episode, so it would violate my general rule on this channel of minimal math and having episodes be standalone whenever reasonably possible. Game theory though is really handy for a lot of galactic scale problems, because so often it's used to address problems where the decision makers can't actually communicate with each other or do much investigation. That's exactly the sort of problem you get when dealing with decades or centuries of light lag from interstellar distances. It's also a very handy approach when you can't say much else about the other parties or players involved beyond that they probably are reasonably rational and have time to choose the best way of behaving, with which light lag again helps. It's really hard to predict the behavior of another human who grew up in the same time and culture as yourself, let alone some alien with a different evolutionary background, an artificial intelligence, or even just a human who might be genetically or cybernetically altered or augmented. You can't assume they will be ultra-rational, but you're generally better off working from that premise than trying to guess in what specific ways they are not, because you will drown yourself in possibilities. We can also assume interstellar civilizations all know math, and we'll assume everyone else does too, so it makes it very attractive to use game theory and other mathematical approaches to decision making to guess at behavior. It is however also very easy to oversimplify problems with game theory and get misled by the answer, that's basically what happens with Dark Force Theory. The Dark Force can be viewed as an adaptation of The Prisoner's Dilemma, a classic of game theory, so we will review that quickly then explain the Dark Force version. There are a ton of good videos on game theory and The Prisoner's Dilemma if you want to explore that more, SciShow did a good introduction to it a few years back. If you want a deep exploration, William Spaniel has a whole channel devoted to it, and Jade from Up and Adam did an episode on the Quantum Prisoner's Dilemma, a fun variation on the original. Brilliant, one of the channel's sponsors, also has some great online courses for game theory, and I'll just refer everyone who really wants to dig into the topic to those. The basic Prisoner's Dilemma is as follows. Two gang members get arrested on suspicion of having robbed a store and both were found with illegal weapons on them, a slam dunk for two years in prison. However, there's not enough evidence to get them for the robbery, so the police separate them and offer them both the same offer. Confess and rat out your partner and we will let you go, no prison time at all, for the weapon violation or the robbery, 
we are making your partner the same offer, and whichever of you confesses first goes free, the other is going away for 10 years for robbery. Each of them can either speak out and hopefully beat the other guy to the punch and be let go, or stay quiet, hope the other does too, and each gets 2 years, a total of 4, much better than 10 but worse than 0. In some versions if both speak they both get 7 years, but the general notion is that it's in the rational self-interest of each of them to confess, and game theory always revolves around folks acting in their own rational self-interest. Unfortunately, as the primary example to introduce folks to game theory, using a pair of criminals with no concern for the other's welfare, it often gives people the impression that game theory doesn't predict the behavior of rational, self-interested folks, but rational, self-interested sociopaths. You can just as easily modify it to some case where a husband and wife get abducted and put in solitary confinement with a saw and a tourniquet and told they have 30 minutes to saw their left arm off, and if they don't, they'll be released, but their spouse will be shot, and their spouse is getting the same offer. Here the reward is different since you presumably value your spouse more than your arm, and would expect them to feel likewise and make the same deduction, and rational self-interest for most people would be to lose an arm rather than a spouse, I hope. The Prisoner's Dilemma gets used a lot because it's very simple, but normally a realistic game theory case might have several additional options and players, who each get different rewards, and it can be very handy for things like guessing how various rival or cooperative groups might act for things like interstellar colonization or space warfare. There's also a Nash Equilibrium, sometimes more than one, where you pursue a strategy that insulates you from the effects of the decisions of the others a wise choice when you can't know or influence the other player's strategy. Obviously if those two prisoners could talk, they could strike a bargain or coerce each other or they might be genuine friends, there is at least some implied trust if you're willing to rob a bank with someone after all, but this general inability to know what the other person is doing due to a lack of communication or deep knowledge of them is very handy over interstellar distances. When you have that light lag making it hard to talk or get up to date information about the other player's motivations and goals, even more so when we're discussing possible alien civilizations you've never even met to realize how different their thinking is. You know they know math, and you know they will assume you know math too, so approaching them via game theory or other mathematical approaches for decision making is better than just making wild guesses about behavior, a conclusion you'd expect them to draw too. This is not a flaw in the Dark Force theory, one always wants to be careful applying game theory but it's a better approach than most options. So here is the basics of the Dark Force argument, we assume that all life wants to survive, regardless of whether or not it will do anything to survive, they care about their own existence more than other civilizations. This is debatable as an absolute, you might get exceptions, but in general it's a decent assumption. So we have a rational self-interest in survival and assume everybody else does too. We are mostly good so far, but that survival imperative is already a small hole in the concept. A species might have some suicidal or suicidally brave inclinations, and we're potentially talking about mini-civilizations, each composed of mini-divorce groups and individuals. We'll come back to that later. Second, if you're new to space travel and haven't met or learned about other civilizations, you have no way of knowing if they're hostile or not, 
nor any obvious way to determine or influence that without making yourself known, they may want to annihilate you. This gives us our prisoner's dilemma equivalent. Two or more species not knowing of each other's motives or goals do not know if those are hostile or not, but they want to live. If they stay quiet and hidden, they are exposed to less risk than if they speak up and say hi. Furthermore, if they attack any civilization they detect when it first emerges, they can wipe them out before they pose a possible threat. Why gamble on possible peaceful coexistence that might down the road result in them gaining the edge and trying to wipe you out when you can just kill them now while you have an overwhelming edge? This same line of reasoning is often applied to newly woken artificial intelligences attacking humanity too. If you can ensure victory and a total wipeout of the potential enemy now, then you should, since even a fairly remote chance of them attacking you later is still higher than the zero risk you have by attacking now, thus implying the galaxy is full of quiet, hiding, and genocidal civilizations, or their potential victims, as anyone who pursues a different strategy gets killed. We get the Dark Force name from the following passage in the novel. The universe is a dark forest, every civilization is an armed hunter stalking through the trees like a ghost, gently pushing aside branches that block the path, and trying to tread without sound. Even breathing is done with care. The hunter has to be careful, because everywhere in the forest are stealthy hunters like him. If he finds another life, another hunter, angel or demon, or a delicate infant or tottering old man, a fairy or demigod, there's only one thing he can do, open fire and eliminate them. To make things a bit grimmer, Dark Force assumes humanity is already screwed because we've made ourselves known by radio broadcasts. So what's the flaw of this theory? First of course it does violate non-exclusivity, in a few ways. As a reminder, non-exclusivity in our discussions of the Fermi Paradox has to do with any behavior or condition we can assume applies to all, or virtually all, the space-faring alien civilizations. Knowing basic math and science would be a good example of an exclusive case, how to build rocket ships without math and science, so we'd expect spaceships to be the exclusive domain of species with math and science. Alternatively, we can't assume every civilization would be capitalist or communist, democratic or totalitarian or oligarchic like ice cream or coffee, and so on. Something like a desire for survival is a good bet for a civilization as a whole, but can't be extrapolated to perpetual silence since it only takes one person to ignore that prohibition, and furthermore, they'll know of that vulnerability and the virtual impossibility of enforcing a total silence, and they'll know every other civilization will have considered the same issue. You cannot guarantee silence over a long time, so why pursue a strategy guaranteed to fail? The other aspect is that while we can rarely label advanced civilizations as being exclusive to a certain behavior, one of the most common behaviors is likely to be a value for cooperation. By default, rational self-interest is only caring about yourself. That's a rare trait in social critters and one that makes producing an advanced civilization very difficult since those rely on cooperation and specialization. It should be fairly normal when the leaders of some civilization are contemplating new neighbors in the dark forest for someone to suggest a potential alliance or their value for trade, 
because it should be rather abnormal for civilizations to ever develop that don't engage in such behaviors already. It's assuming civilizations will see no value for peaceful coexistence and not factored into their decision making. It's also assuming attacking another civilization carries no risks or costs either. So Dark Forest is already a bit shaky just from all that, but the real flaw is that hiding is not an option. It wasn't an option even before you sent out your first radio broadcast, because all of this logic is based on the assumption that there are intelligent and potentially homicidal older civilizations able to move around the galaxy and only works if we assume those older civilizations are utter morons. This is the big flaw, because if humanity was the first on the galactic stage and had spaceflight and genocidal intent it would already be game over for any other potential civilization that was behind us by more than the time it takes for light to travel from our world to theirs. First off, while hiding is a good strategy if you can pull it off, you can't pull it off. You can't hide your planet backwards in time, and if I'm a high-tech civilization with spaceflight and automation, I can get away with building huge mega-telescopes or even just sending space probes to do flybys of every single star in the galaxy to find any planet that might even have a hint of life, and I can ram those probes into the planet if they pick those signals up. If a civilization wants to, it can make a probe weighing say 100 tons, equivalent to a heavily loaded freight vehicle, it can then use pushing lasers to get it up to say 87% of light speed, where it now has a kinetic energy equal to its mass energy. This is what we call a relativistic kill missile, and in this case, one which would have about 10 to 22 joules of damage potential, or the equivalent destructive force of a couple million megaton nukes, hundreds of times the peak firepower during the Cold War. I can send that probe toward the habitable zone of a known star and give it just enough sensors and fuel to pick up any planet as it approaches and course correct to ram it. I can also have it fragment beforehand to arrive in bits scattered over that planet's day so the whole surface gets shotgunned. And of course it's picking up detailed data of the before and after as it does this. If I make a trillion of these, one for every star in the galaxy with spares for redundancy, I would have used up 100 trillion tons of mass, 10 to the 17th kilograms, the mass of a single modestly large asteroid the kind we have so many of in our solar system that most don't even have names, just numbers, if even that. Of course to accelerate them all to that speed would take a lot of juice, 10 to the 34 joules, but that's less than a year of the sun's output and you hardly need to rush, a few years won't make a difference. In fact you could send them all out at different times and speeds so they all impacted across the galaxy at about the same moment. Needless to say, you can go bigger if you want, and you can also do periodic follow-up strikes, especially since you're able to narrow down your targets after that first wave gives you a very accurate map. Sterilizing an entire galaxy is possible through any number of methods, many of which don't even require you to send anybody out to do it. Of course the better strategy is just to colonize all those worlds instead of ramming them, since it means if you ever bump into someone else in your weight class, You have all those wards to supply resources from and to absorb damage, not just one vulnerable home system. So there's the flaw, your leadership is deciding whether to be silent or not, or attack anyone they meet or not, 
and one of your generals or scientists is going to point out that silence isn't a valid strategy, because you're already visible to anyone who has the capacity to kill you at the moment. You can't hide, so instead you pursue a policy of getting bigger should a threat emerge later and that you should be gathering intel and opening up diplomatic channels because it has no downsides. You really have to stretch belief to assume an otherwise peaceful species is going to go genocidal because you colonized other planets when they have not even told you that they don't want you to. If they're attacking it with something like that, or a diplomatic blunder, and with full escalation to genocide, then that was probably always their intent, so there's no reason to alter your own strategy. But they probably would have gotten themselves killed off for acting that way, or be worried about it, since if we're assuming one other advanced civilization is near us, we have to assume many others are fairly close too, and might see what you're doing and disapprove, since they obviously don't espouse that approach themselves, or they'd have carried it out and you wouldn't be around to do it. And the keywords there are advanced civilizations, such things should generally not arise without a modest understanding of cooperation, diplomacy, alliances, reciprocity, deterrence, and so on, same as we have, since it's hard to build a civilization without those. And that's a good final point, same as we have, because fundamentally if Dark Forest worked, we should see it in play on Earth, and we don't. I'm not familiar with any civilization or species that pursued this sort of strategy in our own forests. The galaxy may be a dark forest, but it's not very likely there are predators stalking its shadows, because fundamentally, if there were, they'd already have jumped out and eaten us by now.